You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field, it is gone! It went, deep right, Batista's going to win the night! Start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 138. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode... Domingo Santana and Cameron Rupp are headed to spring training in Cleveland. Zips and Pakota projections are out. We'll look at those and what they say about the Indians. And we'll look at the XFL, which was recently played. And we'll try to create, or I'll try to create my own X League with baseball, which we'll call the XLB just for fun. And of course, we'll take your questions. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? I'm great. I've got, I've got the itis. If I'm being honest, I ate a lot of barbecue. Got the itis? I've been very sleepy for, for most of the day. Is that is that a itis? I think itis means like a specific thing. It's not like just the itis is what you get when you when you when you eat a bunch of barbecue and become sleepy. It's a specific thing. Yeah. Oh, it's barbecue itis. There you go. It's just it's just the itis, Matt. It's just the itis. Damn. (laughs) That's the thing that uh, Doc McStuffins. I don't know if I don't have kids, but if you ever just watch that show for fun, it's a really good adult show. But I don't know what show that is. It's about like this girl who has dolls. It's a kid's show, and she um. She's, she pretends to be a doctor, and every single thing is just a random itis. And my wife always reminds me that itis means it means something specific. So it's just like you can't just have foot itis. Well, the capital the, the, the capital I itis is when you eat too much barbecue and become sleepy. <laughs> it's a specific thing that happens to people, and I have it now. So feel bad for me. Isn't that meat drunk? Is that the more accurate one? Or are you not quite the meat? No, drunk? meat drunk is different when that's it's more when you just eat a shitload of meat. Oh, that's true. I think that's when you get like sweaty and uncomfortable where this is just like, I'm sluggish. And what if we're just always sweaty and uncomfortable? Am I always just meat drunk? You could be. I I'm mean, always, maybe you should be eating 14 hot dogs every three hours. <laughs> it's it's a little much. You're not my dad. I'm going to do it if I want to. I, I'm suggesting. I'm not telling you what to do one way or the other. <laughs> Well, man, something, things actually sort of happened in the last week for the Indians. Uh, one of them did happen. Cameron Rupp, a catcher um, who hasn't played in the majors since 2017, has bounced around a bunch of minor league teams. He's headed to the Indians as a minor league uh, spring training invite. And then Domingo Santana maybe sort of is. <laughs> He's an outfielder, probably going to be a DH if he joins the Indians. But it was reported um, last week from someone named Janssen Pujols is a report of the Dominican Republic. He said that Domingo Santana signed with the Indians for a deal north of a million dollars. Nobody else mentioned it or even acknowledged it for a couple of days. And then uh, Paul Hoynes and Zach Mizell both said that the deal is pretty much done. It's just waiting for physicals. It should be this week. So hopefully a couple of days after this podcast comes out, we'll know we'll have at least another catcher in spring training and we'll have maybe Domingo Santana somewhere. So just how, how do you think, how do you feel about at least having some players? I think we were talking before, like the Indians haven't done their random grab a bunch of veteran players and bring them in but now they've done it twice i know right yeah, yeah it's nice yeah it's it's now a thing is, um, finally happening the santana one's interesting too because i mean if you look at his numbers he was great like three years ago that's almost four years ago yeah 2017 he was super good uh yeah he was super good he'd be the second or third best hitter on the indians today if he did that again uh and he's, and he's only 26 he's pretty good I, like he's gonna be above average at least yeah. he's got like a 115 right wrc plus and i mean stuff, so. i know we have to kind of couch our expectations and things because we're indians fans uh, and we cover the Indians, so um, slightly above average is big get. What can you say? <laughs> it's basically but best on is... the team. Yeah, he's, He'd be the best outfielder, I'm pretty sure. Like, he's already projected, to, unless you count Fran Reyes as an outfielder. But I guess if you count him, you have to count Santana, because Santana's going to be a team. He was, he, was, he was less than great um, in 2018, but he doesn't, he, I think he must have been hurt or something. I, again, I don't know his entire 
biography only played 85 games that year, though. But then, this, yeah, then this past year he was uh, fine again, so above average. So if he's healthy and good again, he's only he's going to be 27 this year, which is when typically when players have you know good breakouts. When he, and since he already had a breakout and he had to hit in Seattle for half the year, I don't know. I, I'm um, I don't know. I don't know about excited, but this is the kind of signing that I had hoped at the very least for. You know, this is basically getting Yasiel Puig in, in terms of you're getting a, a slightly above average at bat or slightly above average bat, excuse me, and then interesting defense. So. I don't, I, he won't have the amazing arm, but yeah, and you, like you said, a couple, couple million bucks or just over a million dollars. So I'll take it. You know, I mean, they they have they have gaping holes in the outfield, and they need to fill them. And this is a thing that can do that. So yeah, I think if anything, this almost pushes Franmil Reyes to being the outfielder because I think if you have to choose between Reyes and Domingo Santana, you take Reyes's bad, probably bad defense in right field over Santana's absolutely atrocious defense. But if he can come anything close to his 2017, like you mentioned earlier, we had a 505 slugging percentage, 30 home runs. 127 WRC plus um and he had his highest walk rate and lowest strikeout rate his biggest thing has always been he strikes out so much even in 2017 he was mm-hmm. super good he's a 29 percent strikeout rate every other season has been so high over but he's just a player that hits the ball super hard he hits it all over the field which is another cool thing he doesn't always pull he does yeah. a little bit for ground balls but as far as if he's not hitting out of the park he, he'll hit it and double it triple it everywhere so i think it's gonna be neat if he if he can almost be like another austin jackson a, a, a younger more powerful austin jackson who comes in and way outperformed it looks like he can do just because of his history and prior to the last couple seasons i think in 2017 his baseball savant numbers were really good too he was just hitting the ball so hard um, mm-hmm. and the other thing i wonder if this brings up like what does this mean for jake bowers exactly because i don't think they're going to use him i mean where are they going to use him because <laughs> you're going to have carlos santana as the first baseman domingo santana as the dh and you got to get fran Reyes in there somewhere i guess bowers is just oh. the 26 I mean, guy I almost, figured, but that's the line on the shield i figured santana you, you think Domingo Santana will be the DH? Oh, yeah. They're not going to put him in the outfield. If, if it's between him and Fran Mill Reyes, like you got to you take Reyes Why? out there, right? Santana's awful. <laughs> He's like when he was yeah, but, literally but, probably I mean, the is, worst is, defensive is, outfielder in baseball. Is Reyes also that bad? I mean, He's not that bad. He's bad. But like as far as outs above average, Domingo Santana in baseball savant was like one percentile of how bad he was on defense. Damn. <laughs> Right, I mean, well. I guess if, if Fran Mel Reyes really can't do it, but if he's really in the best shape of his life and all that fun stuff and can be I mean, maybe only in the bottom quarter of the worst outfielders in baseball, then that's so where I think are you putting goes. Fran Mel Reyes in, in left field or in right field? I, I know he played right field. Wherever but... the Jordan Luplo platoon isn't, basically. Yeah, it's true. Who's the other half of the Jordan Luplo platoon at this point? Nakel will come back, I would think. But until then, it's just yeah. whoever <laughs> they can find. Maybe that's Bauer. Is Bauer the opposite... Bowers is a left-hand hitter. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be weird. I, I I didn't really think about that part of it too. I kind of figured they'd just put him in the outfield and hope that any level of growth from um, Mercado would kind of cover up the holes. He would have to cover a smaller outfield at this at least. I mean, I would put him in right field certainly because that's a big outfield at uh, a progressive. So <laughs> the I, terrifying I'd idea is the fact that. It might be Delano De Shields in center and Mercado in right a lot of the time and Reyes in left because Tito seems to love Delano De Shields already. And <laughs> I'm scared, Barrett. Well, I guess that's the idea of at least you're giving yourself a high floor, right? That's a that's a positive way of looking at it. It, it won't be great, Are but they? it won't be. <laughs> I feel like they got a lower floor than before. Well, well, if, when I say high floor, I guess what I mean is you're getting a less negatives. You're reducing the amount of negative while not really adding to the positive, I suppose. Maybe it's stupid, but it's going to be... Would you rather have one you know, one good thing and two shit, 
or everything kind of uh, or two real two really shitty things or everything kind of shitty. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the not the general construct of the Indians outfield the last couple of years anyway. So yeah, I guess we're just continuing a, with that pathway. At least before last year, they, Michael Brantley is a good one, but it's always been kind of icky the rest of it and now it is yes again. And if, unless fran moreas is like a decent outfielder with 127 wrc plus then maybe they'll be good but i don't know at least at least he makes it more interesting something added to it domingo santana as a as a dh pushing fran mill out there or even santana maybe be in the outfield maybe you're right that the i think that's gonna happen mill as a dh so i just bad. i mean i haven't seen a lot of, of of um domingo santana play in the outfield i have seen fran mill Reyes play in the outfield and i didn't like what i saw <laughs> So <laughs> it's not good. Neither are good. I I guess it's just well, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So dinger go do, with the guy who's slightly younger, or go with the guy who actually has more experience playing in a major league outfield, even if he did it yeah. poorly. Yeah. These are the and real then, questions. Of course, the other signing was uh, Cameron Rupp, who I was looking. I remembered I I was positive I've written about him before. I did it back in all the way in 2016 when the Indians the trade fell through with Jonathan Lucroy. Or no, it was right before the Jonathan Lucroy trade, and I, I didn't want him to trade for Lucroy because I thought it would pay too much. But Cameron Rupp was one of the guys I thought of, and it seemed almost crazy because at that point he was like a, a well above average hitting. I think he had like 120 something WRC plus through the first half of 2016, and then he's absolutely tanked. And then mm-hmm. he was bad in 2017, and then he was just out of the majors playing. He bounced out a bunch of minors teams like the Rangers, Athletics, and Tigers. Um, so his fall has been crazy and almost kind of sad because he was so good and he looked like he'd be locked up as a, a decent catcher for the Phillies in a long, for a long time. But yeah, um, now he's on the Indians, just a minor league deal with a spring training invite. And I don't think he's going to see much of anything. He's basically a replacement in AAA for Eric Haas. Um, and it's kind of a side note that, that Sandy Leone, who's now the backup for Roberto Perez, apparently Tito likes his defense um, a lot. And he said he, it's not going to have him hesitate. Because before, which has almost seemed like a, a shitting on Kevin Plecky kind of thing, he said when Plecky was in, he didn't say Plecky's name, but last year when Roberto wasn't in there, he was tempted to bring him in the end as a defensive replacement. But he just said this year he won't be tempted to because Sandy Leone is also so good. Which I guess it says it says a lot about how the Indians value catchers and how they didn't value apparently Kevin Plecky behind the plate. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice to have another catcher. I guess it's not a huge signing. This is this is more of the Indian signing we expect. These guys that yes, this is come this into is mostly classic. filled positions mm-hmm. and just play in spring training. Yeah, yeah, we, we need more people. We need more warm bodies for March. Basically, is what this signing is. I mean, he was like you said, he was okay early on there for the Phillies, but I don't know. I, I always kind of thought he might be better than he ever was, and I think that's just because I'm an idiot. So I don't know. No, I definitely thought so too. I thought he was going to be really good, and he was the one I wanted the most in 2016. I just didn't think they. The Phillies would trade him because I thought there was so much potential there, and then clearly there was not. Well, you know, maybe he got fixed by the uh, by the Athletics, and now he's going to come to the Indians and be great. Well, he went to the Tigers after the Athletics. No, he didn't. He signed with the Athletics uh, on May eight, May. Oh, was the Athletics eighteenth, twenty nineteen, and a minor league deal, and then became a free agent. So they, I assume they fixed him, and so now he's going to come and win one. <laughs> they just for fixed Cleveland. him and released him into the wild to let him blossom somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right, have fun, kiddo. Bye. <laughs> we got you. Now your swings run fixed. Go free. Out there and... <laughs> yeah, you'll be great now. You're you're now a brick wall who hits fifty home runs a year. Oh, thanks. I mean, I'd take twenty. <laughs> Indians yeah, office. I would take. I would take 15. I mean, come on. He'd be the fourth best hitter. Yeah, exactly. I'm tired of players being barely above average and being great. It's frustrating to me. He did have a he did have an 810 OPS in Las Vegas this past year. There you go. That counts for or I'm out. Now, that's a, that's a big hitting area. But still, 
those are numbers attached to his name in 2019. So <laughs> they are technically numbers. That is true. They're, they're, isn't Vegas one of like the highest offensive? Yes, yes, is it yes. The that one, league? Salt Lake City. Most of the most of the Pacific Coast League is a big yeah, hitting. League, is it that so. one? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Not probably Cameron Rupp next year, but all the players we will see next year, like Domingo Santana, Fremont Reyes, and all them, they the projections are starting to come out now. It's one of my favorite times of the year in the off season where we get to start to look at the robots and what they say about um, players heading in the next season. Zips came out first. That was last. Oh, when did that come out? On the fourth, I think, last week. So, uh, of course, obviously Francisco Lindor was the top um, mm-hmm. player on the Indians with six and a half WAR. His comp was Cal Ripken, which seems like a pretty good thing. Um, <laughs> it's a it's an okay projection for Lindor. Uh, and then one thing I thought was interesting and also depressing is that Nolan Jones, rookie who has never played a, a single at bat in the majors, is projected as a sixth best Indian player, <laughs> Indians player for next season. And there's so far the Indians have shown no indication of calling him up, but he's projected. Yeah, to what be the, the fuck? Sixth best <laughs> like um, the thing is, because we're gonna get to the. But, we're going to get to the Pakoda thing. To, uh, we're going to get to Pakoda uh, in a second, too. And that's usually mm-hmm. very conservative of, of a uh, forecast. And it loves him, too. Yeah. So I'm, in my head, I'm like, look, I know it's a projection, and it's not supposed to be the end-all, be-all for anything. But at the same time, like, what the fuck? What, what, what do we have to lose here? You know what I mean? Like, it's the, the, the team is going to be real bad, and I don't want that to happen. I want them to be real good. Yeah, I, the there's fall the... off from Ramirez to Santana is just so far, even when it comes to wins about replacement. And just, oh, God damn. If I yeah, it is. Jordan it's, up here, it's over yeah. half. <laughs> For anybody who hasn't seen the Zips projections, Jose Ramirez is 5.2 and Carlos Santana is 2.5. That's <laughs> even with Santana being not terrible, terrible on offense. It's just that nobody else is even close. <laughs> Like I, I really want to see Nolan Jones get a shot. He he was projected for one point nine WAR, almost as much as Cesar Hernandez, Fran Mil Reyes, and I mean, yeah, even with a fan graphs, he's so high. So in his who was his comp? Rasmus Ramos Ramirez. I don't remember if he was very good. But he was very good. Ramos Ramirez ruled. Yeah, he was a, a beloved uh, t- uh, Cub. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. looking at his fan graphs page now. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, he yeah he was wicked good. If we could just get eighty percent of that, even you know what I mean? Shoot, That's, yeah. that sounds pretty good. <laughs> so I wonder if at this point, it, if the Indians are just if they know this and they have their own internal stuff and they're basically just gonna uh, manipulate his service time, which seems really stupid because they're competing now. I don't I don't know what you're hoping for with an extra year if you don't because you're not like guaranteed to win the division, so you might as well just use him from the beginning instead of. If you think he can be this good right away, maybe they don't. But if they do, I think it's stupid to not just bring him up and and and. Well, and again, I don't, I don't want to broach this subject again. But what is the what is the Indians' real goal here? Is the thing we have actually have to be be honest with ourselves about, and it's a question we always hate to have an answer. I mean, I agree. If he's going to be good, call him up. I mean, he's predicted for twenty two home runs. That would be fourth or fifth best on the Indians for God's sake. And then to follow from him to Hanley Ramirez. Also, the thing that popped out to me, and not, not to change the subject too much, but Kai Tom is projected very highly, not like super high, but like the, his Pakoda projections were pretty good. And I don't know who the hell Jesse Reed is, but maybe he was good. And if we get another Jesse Reed on our hands, let's find out if that's a good thing or not. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Don't Tom's but projections were? I, I'd call that super good considering what he is. He he was he could have yeah. been taken in the Rule Five draft, but he wasn't. But um, he's what projected for one warp, which is is baseball prospectus's value similar to WAR. Um, mm-hmm. a 103 DRC plus, which is their WRC plus kind of thing. So he's projected to be, what is that? One of, I mean, he's behind all the outfielders Nine. in the projections, but, but that's not too bad. He's better than Daniel Johnson, which is another takeaway that I had is that neither of them really love Johnson that much. But I think we talked about that before. I'm, my hope is that 
part of that is they don't see his revamp swing and he's going to be better than mm-hmm. than what either of them project right but right exactly the, the changes they make it can get lost in the noise or whatever but yeah you, know, you mentioned it kai tom in, in pakota's projections is one of only nine players in the indian system projected for a um, average or better offensive output by drc plus and you know what nine is matt that's another people who play baseball on a field at the same time so best player maybe yeah there you go <laughs> I mean, that's that, that, that that's that's a team right there that is all above average offensively and i mean let's see let's look at what, what that average number would be what 115.4 and last year in 2019 team stats wrc plus well, the Astros had 100, 125 WRC plus as a team, which is absurd. What well, put the Indians? Yeah, magic. <laughs> uh, we put the Indians if that were real, and we could actually do things like this, and that actually happened. It would put them uh, fourth in all of baseball offensively. And I just think that if they were the fourth best offensive team in baseball and continue to pitch the way they can, I think they'd have a pretty good shot at making it to the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, if, if they can, I think we're also living on the wires or the razor's edge here again with it that. A bunch of these players could be above average or a bunch could sink real low. Because, <laughs> I mean, oh, yes. if you're looking at Pagoda, Pagoda, you know, Tyler Naquin is above average. Tom is above average. Nolan Jones is above average. But then there's also um, Cesar Hernandez is 96. Um, I'm sure Roberto Perez is down there. Or no, it loves Roberto Perez by at least warp because of his defense. But it is his yeah. offense way down there. So I think it's, I don't know. It, it feels like just every other year we're living so close to the edge that they could take a surprise run again or they could be terrible again which i guess is mm-hmm. kind of what they're doing with their budget and how they're trying to set up their team is just hoping that everything comes together for a year and and hopefully not deal lindor if it doesn't or even before it gets a chance to so and the, the other thing i liked is that jordan luplo is another a number one comp is shinsu chu which i thought was interesting mm-hmm. i didn't know if chu had a of like that but he also doesn't walk as much as chu did i don't think but it's an interesting comp um, for sure no it's a very strange comp honestly because yeah, his offense, he's in no way offensive. Like, Shinsu Chu has like a 400 on base percentage every yeah, single that was, year. That's that was very the biggest confusing. thing, yeah. Huh. And Lublos is like a junior legs in there. It's all the split. And Fran Moraes, one of Aren't his top walking? ones is Yasiel Puig, so there you go. What the fuck? <laughs> Don't need to cite him now. <laughs> so any other broad takeaways from the projections that we have? And for what it's worth, by the time um, we, we have this podcast... Um, the standings come out Monday, so we're going to miss out on that. But. I was surprised at how unloved Pakoda had, um, what's his name, Mike Clevenger, giving him an ERA over three, giving him a 330 ERA when he's been, I mean, unabashedly, he's like a top five pitcher the last two years. He only he hasn't pitched a lot of innings, which obviously doesn't help, but um, it's not friendly to Corey Kluber, which is, you know, a small a small taste of niceness, but I'm curious as to how, how they loved Aaron Civale, my new favorite player, yeah, zips like uh, Plesak over everybody. I thought that was interesting. Over, it's I mean, very strange. I mean, you, like I, I, watching him, it was always just felt like you mentioned the Razor's Edge. That always felt like things were going to go wrong every single time he pitched. <laughs> I never got that feeling from Aaron Savale, but maybe right, that's yeah. just bias. I don't know. Savale always just seemed so much more in control of what was going on in the moment all year. Whereas Plesak, I mean. It, Zips has him tied for wins above replacement. Even so, I just I I never got the same read from the pair of them. So I don't know. It's uh I still don't understand projections, and I never will. And that's <laughs> it's, a, that's the life I lead, man. It's all the numbers. That's how the, I feel. The big fancy numbers, and you you can be a you just you cram can... all the numbers in, into the into the machine, and then it pops out a number, <laughs> and there you go. You're good to go. That's Get out of here. What are you doing? That's how it does it. Yeah, but Plesak says he's fourth behind Bieber, Clevenger, and Carrasco. Where I was going to be up there, but Savali is like a full seven tenths of a 
a win below him, and then Scott Moss is next. And man, where is Adam Pluko? I gotta find him here. I just wouldn't worry about Adam Pluko. We all love Adam Pluko despite anything. I mean, so. he's gonna be there. He's yeah. had options, so he's gonna get a starting. He's I, I would almost at this point guarantee he's gonna be the fifth starter unless he's a terrible spring, just because he has the options. And then maybe at some point, if somebody pushes him out, he'll be shifted to the to the bullpen. Oh, but. I just figured out why that why it loves Zach Plesac more. It's because they haven't projected to pitch twenty five or thirty more innings. So. There you go. There's the numbers for you. Realistically, they're, <laughs> they're very close. So yeah, does it have his ERA a lot? Damn there? robot. I'm trying to find that real quick. No, not really. Uh, what are you ERA? Oh, it's not good. I do like. Yeah, see, his I, is I do worse like the numbers I'm seeing out of the innings totals. But yeah, you're right. I am. I am encouraged by what I see out of basically the entire bullpen, though, which is very nice. I mean, yeah. When, when you go by ERA minus, you have Hand and Karen Check as, as one two on the team, and then Chase uh, Clace. I'm going to call him Emmanuel Chase his entire career. <laughs> I do. Fit. I do that too. While I'm reading his name, I almost forget I mean, about Brad Hand now. I always think of Clace and Karen Check and the weirdness of Adam Simber, and then I always just kind of forget Brad Hand's there, which I guess is a, a compliment for Brad Hand. <laughs> that he's when he's good, I mean, he's just so I mean, good you don't think a, about it. Yeah. He just goes in and closes the game out. So, um, but yeah, the Indians. I think he's a dead-eyed monster. We all forget about. So he. he He's a freakish, soulless monster, and you know. So you, you don't you try not to think about him because he'll scare you. <laughs> you don't look directly uh, in his eyes; you'll sink into him and never just escape. Don't do that. Oh, I consider Hunter Wood to be an above-average pitcher. That's interesting. <laughs> monsters. So you learn new things every day, folks. It's uh, interesting. I like Hunter Wood though. He's got we- he's got that weird wet hair thing going on. So <laughs> he's, you know, it's just so he's not even sweaty. He's just it's just wet. His face is completely wet, dry. You know? he's, he's he looks like he's under a heat lamp, but but he's just sweating. There was a great article, I think it was on Deadspin sometime last year, where uh, David Roth did a study of all the wet hair guys on, in baseball. It was very, very enlightening. <laughs> I encourage anyone who has a chance to try and find that article because it's still out there. Just you know, Google like wet hair baseball guys, David Roth or something like that. You'll, you'll find it. Anyway, great read about how about no matter what else happens in baseball, the wet hair man is still always going to be there. <laughs> Why is he so moist? It's very strange. Are they? putting product in their hair or are they just dumping water on their heads I, sometimes it's both <laughs> and i think david roth is nominated for a saber award this year too not for that one but he was for yeah. something because no right which is bullshit because that was great investigative reporting it was right up there with your finger gun work yeah. man i, I mean, mean that was the, the best finger guns and the wet hair guys now we need to cross that just, with there the was best a lot of finger guns wet hair guys and just figure out who's the wettest finger gunnest players in baseball that's what i want to say what is finger gunning this guy you know like that, that man just oozes um what's the word i'm looking for here intangibles yeah weird intangible grossness very specific it sounds like something out of a D. yeah yeah it'd be like a, it'd be like fighting a gelatinous cube shooting finger guns at you now that's what i want it makes the sound too Ew. yep yeah <laughs> All right, man. Enough, enough with this this weird baseball sport that we talk about. There was there's another another league out there now, um, which is back from what was that 19 years ago where it came in and flopped. Uh, the XFL, yeah, ruled. Watched every yeah, game. I did too. Which, by the way, the X does not stand for extreme, <laughs> which I learned. But what? Yeah, it doesn't. It's just X. It's just XFL. They just wanted to be different. Um, That's it's bullshit. Actually, yeah. But anyway, it started my New York Guardians, which I've been a, a fan of from the beginning, as always mm-hmm. lifelong Same. fan. They oh. won today, so big day for me. But been a big McGloin fan from way back from his first day he <laughs> donned that beautiful gray and gray uniform <laughs> of the New York Guardians. <laughs> I have but to that, say that the Vipers have the best uniforms I think in no, sports. No, they don't. Those are the dumbest. They're, it's <laughs> the horrifically nice. good. I don't even know. I, who's the Dragons? Is there That's a Dragons the one who played team? The, the DC Defenders, the Seattle Dragons, yeah. 
I think uh, all yeah. the, the XFL jerseys are pretty nice. It's way better than the AAF was because they just all use the same logo basically, but it was yeah. slightly shifted. They're not doing all the flat thing, which I think is cool. But but anyway, the, the reason for bringing up the XFL is I thought it'd be fun to how we could make up our own. What would it be? XLB. It wouldn't be the XLB because you don't say the MLB. It'd be X League Baseball. X League. So we'll make up our own one of those. (laughs) (laughs) But I had a. I have a whole thing here. I thought about it way too much because you know. I mean, back in the Negro leagues, they had teams named like the Cuban X Giants. So stick that in the back of your head. I don't know. Just something came to mind. I remember the X Giants. Yeah, it was the name of the team. I'll I'll find more information while you while you uh, while you ramble. So I think the way the XFL like. I think the main thing to start with when you do this, I asked on Twitter for suggestions and obviously they were all just fun, like a metal bat, everybody's on steroids, that kind of thing. But a realistic thing for it is, yeah, just normal stuff, is that they're not going to roll back any player safety stuff at this point. That was a big thing with the first XFL was like, they had that kickoff where everybody just died because yeah, it, <laughs> it was such yeah. a stupid idea. <laughs> and like even in the new one, it's not going to, they're not going to roll back like the posy rule. You can't cleat people at second, obviously. That's just not going to change. I think if they did an XLB, it, it would be... Two main things, my two tent poles of the XLB, is getting more cameras everywhere, like different angles. Because if you saw today in the XFL, I think it was the Guardian. No, it wasn't the Guardians game. It was the one later. I can't remember the teams. The St. Louis Battlehawks, is that their name? I don't know. But one of the quarterbacks was running, and he had to avoid the cameraman. It was way in the backfield, which is it's kind of It's so awesome. I love it. They just yeah. – okay, so I, I hate to interrupt your great ideas, but I just popped my head. I think it would be <laughs> – the biggest problem – not the biggest problem. The biggest problem with baseball is probably – the cheating but one of the biggest problems with baseball is it's insularity it's so hard to actually get any information out of anyone and i just think it would be so good if like it's a big moment in a big game and you fuck and you strike out or something or you give up the big <laughs> dirt in the middle of the game a guy like a pitcher gives up a big home run and like you know it's still the seventh inning and then a, a, a a media person just rushes right out there and goes, what happened there? And just jammed a microphone in their face immediately. <laughs> just That's like, sort of one of them. I, I want camera people on the field. Like baseball is a yes. perfect sport for that because you never know where the ball is going to be hit. Just put somebody in the outfield or even stick them in the infield and like get weird angles of the pitcher as it's going. Imagine how cool that would be to have like close-ups of a pitcher as he's throwing it. And then like you can put a full caged helmet on the guy if you want to protect him. And just hope for the best, but there's such a low chance that he gets hit. I think exactly. So. I mean, you have guys standing there in the you have the the th- first and third base coaches standing all around all the time anyway. Like, what the heck? Yeah. You know, just replace just them be, with be, camera guys. There's no first and third base. Be hot you on know. your toes, you know. Shoot, <laughs> have a guy have, have a have a media guy in the in the bullpen. That's a good idea. I think that's the oh, number they one would, thing. Absolutely. That, the, even yeah. the XFL does that. They have everybody's mic'd, and everybody it's in the XFL so awesome. is mic'd as well. Uh, yeah. They just they they caught the the, the most rampant f bomb in the middle of the game yesterday. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> they actually like, hit oh, the, you can tell because the sound cuts out that they missed. Yeah, one he said, or what? fuck, and then, and then it just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you just heard it, and then oh, that, that that got out. It was <laughs> so good. Through. And the the replay guy was controlling it with an Xbox controller. That was another yep. good thing. They, um, uh, the the media tonight. I was watching the the Battle Hawks game. And the media, or maybe it was the other game. It was the shit. Oh, it was, that was the, the one tonight, yeah. It was the Guardians know. game, actually. And the, the guy got an interception, and he was going to run back on and play defense. I just tried to pull him over to interview him while he was running on to go play defense. Anyway, <laughs> great stuff. So I think the number one thing that could be done is really cramming more media in there. Just to, just because... Right, that's the first one. That's absolutely I mean, what they, they would do, is it'd be I, media everywhere. I, 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 want, I want just nakedly obvious everything. I want everything just shown to me all the time because i don't understand why i can't see everything it's stupid <laughs> i want i want pitchers and catchers mic'd up to hear what they're when they go up and talk to each other on the mound i want mm-hmm. everything mic'd. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hear all the and cursing the other one, and everything. As far as like actual play on the field, I think the goal would be to emphasize more balls in play over home runs, which kind of seems backwards I agree. for where baseball is going. But I think the XLB would realize that people running and the ball in play is more fun. So I think no a couple things. For one, I don't know. There'd have to be some other nuances to it, but there's no more sack flies. You okay. can't. You can't run home if somebody in the outfield catches the ball. Um, no, I like that because it creates, it, creates it creates a moment. No, I, I disagree with that because that creates a, a, a moment of true. potential electrification. So then an, another idea I had before I went to that one was that um, you don't have to tag up on fly balls anymore. You can just run. <laughs> like if it's a, oh, it's, I no like matter that. what, as okay. long as it gets in play. Yes, um, okay. I'm, I'm run, very much in that. Only the batter gets the score in a home run. Everybody else stays on their base. So it's not... A home run doesn't swing it as much. You want to get it in play and get everybody scored that way, um, which maybe that de-emphasized a little too much. But another one is foul balls. As long as it stays out of the stands, you can advance as far as third base. So, like if somebody's on first <laughs> Man, and you hit a foul ball <laughs> and it's down the line, it goes foul, you can go to third. And then if you that's make so it, make fucking it. stupid, <laughs> it's stupid enough. I want it. The the batter can't advance if anybody on the base. So you can advance from second to third or first. Okay, to that's third. fine. Okay, well, but, what do you think but then I would also create more sack flies. If you consider mm-hmm. that a moment, you're setting up a lot more of those. Okay, so no, you, I'm with you. You, you want to emphasize the fact that people are running and moving. Um, okay, what about, I don't think metal um, bats. That was one that was brought up a lot. I think they just count as murder eventually because that ball would be crushed. But I, I think the whole goal would be just to get more people moving on the base pass. So I think you, I guess you keep sack flies. But the foul ball idea, you get that in there. Home runs, you got to de-emphasize them somehow. But I don't know. I, I don't think they'd be super violent about it. As, as fun as that'd be to see collisions at home play again they're not going to go back on on player safety stuff so something that ideas. would happen better ideas than mine but either as something to get less fewer home runs and more people running on the bases and more insanity in the infield um maybe do it like old kickball rules we get more than one person on a base if you can't make it very oh, far that's fun yeah i don't know okay. how that would work but have all, every, all three people running at once to third and just massive collisions okay i had two ideas i i, I mentioned one in passing just now but no no more walks because walks are boring you just got to strike them out or get a hit. <laughs> but then, well, so what if they just keep throwing balls, though? Well, then the game keeps on going. You, you're going to have to throw it in the strike the zone eventually. Yeah, you, you, there, you three strikes and you're out. But you can't walk the guy. That's it. Wait, what? Think so what if you that. just like, <laughs> what if you keep throwing intentional walk type pitches? Well, then eventually you're either going to throw a wild pitch or the guy's going to stand there until you put something in the down the middle. I guess that's true. All right, what's your next now, one? Oh, um, there should be a second batter's box that's 55 feet away. And if you hit a home run of that, it's worth two runs. <laughs> <laughs> also, you can choose where you bat from. Yes. yes. Oh, that's so good. I want that. But that's the other thing. In the XFL, you get the extra point. Right. Um, I was trying to figure out how to mix three. that There's got to be something in, where you, know? you got a, just a, a random layer of strategy, which that could be one. Because like five feet, you oh, lose so good. much in reaction time. But if you can actually do damage on that. Then yeah, I I think that runs. you get extra runs. There should be something you can hit the ball with, like it, and it, you get more runs or something, or fireworks go off, or <laughs> or some way I you remember, can once in a while use an aluminum bat or something. There was an article I think it was on Baseball Prospectus that analyzed what if there was like a thirty-five a thirty-foot wide hole in shallow left field. And how that would change the game of baseball. <laughs> and I thought it was a very interesting thought because, you know, that would make a big difference. That was a, that was a great article. Just put a moat around the left fielder. It. You can't run into that. Tows hills everywhere. Every stadium gets a hill. A mandatory you know, I think that would make it interesting. Yeah, more, more 
more. The outfielders have it too easy, frankly. They just get to run on flat ground and get the ball. That's not hard. I could do that. Give them some hills and some gravel. Put some fire out there. Make the bases (laughs) taller? What would that do? (laughs) Nothing. All right. (laughs) Make Um, it like two tires. You got to jump on top. Oh, make them like the mini version of the Guts Towers. Like the hill. Or not Guts. What was that show? Was it Guts? Okay, what if I don't know what Guts is? I didn't have cable, oh, all right? You got to start bringing up Nickelodeon crap. <laughs> That's my entire childhood, Nickelodeon. But part of it was like you do physical challenge and you, you try to climb a hill and press a button. It's like every base is just a mini hill you got to run up. And they're going to throw you okay. out. They're going to throw the ball at you to get you out when you're at the top. That'd be cool. What if all the fences were like... Electrified. Uh, Okay, that's another idea. <laughs> uh, what if they were all like the height? Of, you know the you know that you know that catch that I think Mookie Betts made in the in the playoffs. You know what I'm talking about, where he no. went over and then the uh, or Austin, that that catch Austin Jackson made at, at Fenway Park, right? Where he in like 2017 over, yeah. or something. So like make that, all where the walls really short. Yeah. What if we did that? Would that be bad? <laughs> no, Runs would go up. I um, think you'd have to. Get, I mean, you have to move the fences in some stadium. You just sure have to bring them in because otherwise, yeah, some of the seats would be like, messed you, up. Right. Well, I don't care about that part. Who cares? That's, what that's, if you just that's had someone like, else's problem. What if you had two layers of fences? One of them's like short and jumpable, so you can get over it if you need to, and if the ball lands out there, just to slow them down a little bit. I do like the idea of there not being an outfield fence. Uh, it's just kind of so wherever the home line. Oh, actually, yeah. So wherever the home run there's line no is, home, there's no more it. home runs. It's it's like back in the old days where there was there, there literally was no home run. You, if you hit the ball real far, they have to had to go and get it, and you had to run all the way around. <laughs> you got to negotiate with the guy that catches it. <laughs> yeah, I guess depending and, on how hard it would be, if you could get nets everywhere, that'd be cool to like play off the net no matter where it's hit. They um, some team did. I think the Dodgers did that when they were first playing in the in the LA Coliseum because they had they had a net in, on on one side because otherwise you would have had a 700 foot uh, left field, uh, right field fence. <laughs> so yeah. that's an idea. See, yeah, modular outfield walls. That's an idea. We've made too many moving parts, though. What, what makes, what, what is it about the XFL rules that makes them so special? Right. There's it's more the, options, I think, really, is the only thing. Is the, the extra point options. The kickoff is wonky, but it's kind of cool. Like they force you to kick it between the end zone and the 20 yard line. So you got to kick it there. And then, like, everybody starts, I think it's on the, the receiving team's like 40-yard line or something, and they just stand there until mm-hmm. the receiver catches it, and then everybody goes. Um, so it's still safe, but it's it's more it's guaranteed to get a kickoff every time. I don't think there's really an event in baseball equivalent to the kickoff that's been like eliminated like that, other than like collisions at home plate, which, again, they're not going to go back on. But other than just moving in the field more is the thing that's gone in baseball. Uh, when I was a kid, I read a book called The Field Beyond the Outfield. And it was a book about a kid who was bad at baseball. So whenever he played his little league team, he'd have to go and play and play deep left field. You know, it struck a chord with me because I had to do that too. Anyway, he was daydreaming out there and he discovered that beyond the outfield was another field that was being played by gigantic bugs. And the reason I'm mentioning all this is there was a moment at the end of where he, after he, spoiler alert, hits the big home run to win the game. The pitcher, because it was a bug, had three well, six arms. But... The reason this was special is that he he was able to throw a knuckleball, a slider, and a fastball at the same time. 
And I'm saying all this because what if there was a way to get more than one pitcher involved? <laughs> but only one of them has a ball, but you don't know which one has it until he throws it? That's, that's an idea, too. <laughs> or multiple balls being pitched at the same time. <laughs> just everyone doing hidden ball tricks and stuff? I don't know. Everyone likes sleight of I hand, right? Multiple just... balls would be terrifying for everybody involved. <laughs> well, yes, obviously it would be, it would be a horror show. <laughs> but at the same time... I think that's neat because these guys are professionals. They're not going to hit each other. They'll just the guy will just have to pick one to hit, and they'll hit it. And there you go. The game will <laughs> move the much will quicker. Just hope for the best. <laughs> oh yeah, it's right. Forget about him. <laughs> we'll just eliminate catchers. Every ball goes to the backstop, and you can run if you want to. There yeah, we're all going to. We're already going to have robot umps. Why not just have robot catchers? You know, just having yeah. a big old net there. That it, it'll be like the receiving thing from bowling. Right, you know, <laughs> just pop it and shoot it back out at you. Yeah, there you go. You that's fine. Catch it. I like it's that rule a lot. More yeah. pitchers. More pitchers than batters. <laughs> I can see you in the XFL or the XLB boardroom. More pitchers. Get them no, out there. More, more balls, more pitchers. What do you mean more pitchers? Yeah, we need like seven or eight pitchers. What? I know what I said. You, you heard know, me. You know how hard it is to find one good pitcher? I, I think if – and also if you did like an XLB, I think it – I can't decide if it would be – I think it would be harder to tell. No, easier to tell. No, wait. More difficult to tell the difference between that and an MLB game for most common people. Like it's just people hitting a ball yeah. and running, as opposed to like football, everybody's constantly moving and the receivers drop every goddamn play. <laughs> so I think it'd be if you did an XLB, I think it'd still be pretty watchable. I think the XFL is pretty I, watchable too, besides the drop balls. I've been I've been enjoying it. So I mean, I mean, you could just add more fire too. It's always an option. Hey, that's always an option. Just light the fences on fire constantly. So we'll go on. Uh, we'll we'll end it with a couple of questions. Every Sunday, we ask you guys for your questions on Facebook and Twitter, and we usually try to answer them on the show. Um, at NLP forty eight DH, yes. If we're off to a bad start by June, what asset or assets do you think are the first to go in a trade? Of course, by asset or assets, you mean players. <laughs> is so which ones? I, I guess do they? Is there anybody they would trade at the deadline when they're losing that they wouldn't just trade now? I mean, I guess Lindor. But if you're going to trade, you just trade them now. If you're going to trade them. Um, I don't think there's anybody really that you sell at the middle of the year. I mean, relievers, I would say. Yeah. Uh, like I said, That's hand, right. um, maybe I, depending on who's performing well, you know, like if, if, uh, Oliver Perez is having a great year and you're kind of shitting the bed otherwise, you move him quickly because he's left handed and he's having a good year and that's, you know, that's lightning in a bottle. Uh, same with hand, he's quote unquote expensive. So, uh, maybe moving him. But other than that, like, I guess Lindor is the answer beyond that. Ramirez has so many more years left. Santana, maybe Santana? I don't know. How many more years does he have left? Santana's a good one because he's only got a year left. But but selling yeah, off so player like that doesn't seem like it's the Indians, what they're trying to do, which I guess is bad to say when they're trying to send Lindor. But they're just trying to keep long-term players, and most of what they have right now is long-term players. There's nobody who's other than Santana, Lindor, and relievers that are gone in the next couple of years. So there's, I don't think there's going to be a big sell-off either way because they also don't want to do that. They don't want to have a big tank. Right. They want to remain I mean, average I, for a decade, which is super fun to watch. <laughs> I I support always trading relievers. I just because you can because you never know you can hoodwink you can hoodwink teams into giving you better players. You know, like I mean, j- just look no further than Mike Clevenger. You know, or you know, he 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 came out of the Vinny Pistano deal. Being able to like th- that option is always there. People are always going to spend too much on a reliever when they're in a in the, when they're in a race in. I mean, the, the Indians did it with Andrew Miller, too, which is it's not turning out for exactly, like a yeah. trade at all, but they did it. And the Yankees no, did it for a role, or it. the Cubs did it for a role as Chapman, and that worked out well for them. So I think that's still the, the one position that you, you could, like you said, you can, if teams are desperate and they need it right away, you can you can gouge them more than most at either position. I think. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, people don't want to pay because the thing is, people don't want to pay a lot for like a really good position player because they're really expensive. But 
you can convince them to give you your number two prospect or something for a reliever having a good year because a reliever could have a big impact in the short term. You just fucking you know, just ride him like a fucking horse. Uh, Kevin M on Facebook, he asked, what is the future for Bobby Bradley? He's another one that kind of gets shoved aside in the conversation of Fran Reyes, Domingo Santana. I feel like every outfielder slash DH player they add is like more pushing Bobby Bradley away. <laughs> like it's another sign they don't trust him not to strike out a million times. But, but what do you think it is? Is his future on the Indians? Is his future this year? Or does it come with another team or another year or what? Well, I mean, it, it even gets mentioned in Zip's article. Zip's is not, doesn't see him getting a 750 OPS as his baseline expectation at any point during his career. And I mean, this is a guy who needs to have a minimum, probably 825 or 850 OPS to be a, a legitimate player who's having a positive impact on a team. So, I mean, again, it would be cool if any of these guys turned out, but he, he kind of looked like he kind of looked bad last year. Like he ran into a couple ones, but you can, you can find big guys who strike out a lot, run into balls every now and again, a million times. It's, it's, it's one of the easiest things to find in, in baseball. The Indians had a shitload of them over the last few years, so you know we're we're used to seeing them and what they look like. I don't I don't think he has much of a. It's hard to say because they 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 have Frenmiel Reyes, and we'll see what happens next year with the first base DH situation. So maybe they're holding on to him for them, but he looked terrible. And I mean, maybe he has a great year in uh, a, a great spring, and we've all been proven wrong, and he figured out how to not swing at balls. We'll see. Yeah, it's still possible that he has a great spring and Domingo Santana looks terrible or something. If they didn't sign him to a big deal at all, maybe he's gone for some reason and then Bradley gets a shot. I don't know. But it's it's depressing to see because we've been hearing about him forever and he's still young. Is like he's not like he's got so much power too when it actually comes together. That's the other thing is remember that one home run he hit when he blasted it. Yeah, it's awesome. Like that's the thing. He's so strong. He hits the ball so hard. I just he just strikes out forty. Per, he struck out forty percent of the time in the fifteen games he played. I mean, oh, God. In AAA, he strikes out a third of the time and just doesn't walk. And that's the problem. If he was walking, I don't know. What would would the line be for you? Let's say he he came back this year and he continued to strike out 40% of the time. What is the walk rate that you'd be wanting to see out of him if that continued? Well, you got to have like 14, 50%. You got to be a three three outcome player at that point if you're striking out that much. It's either got to yeah, be you strike out, you get on base, you hit a home run. <laughs> like There can't be any other in-between, really. There was an, a good article, and I'm not saying he's as good as Joey Gallo, because, I don't know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, I don't know. Uh, but again, Gallo struck out 38% of the time this year. He also walked 17.5% of the time. There was a good article on him about him um, last week, two weeks ago. Uh, Joey Gallo swung less, except when it was good to swing yeah, more. that one. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I just, what is it that allows a player to do that to swing at balls in the zone right because if bobby bradley only swung at balls in the zone then he'd probably do a shitload of damage right, right. and he'd walk more and, he, and therefore he's more valuable but like if you read that article it's go gallows is like yeah i just decided to not swing at <laughs> pitches that were hard to hit and you're like what how that's just know. part of what makes gallo so good right it's that he's always had a good eye he's just just swung at everything yeah <laughs> it just shows you how talented i guess every mlb player is but also how goddamn good joey gallo is and i want him on the Indians. i mean he just uh, he just said as the article states he's he's swing he's been swinging less so i don't know if that's something bradley can just kind of start doing but it'd be nice i don't know you know it would be cool yeah yeah if you look at uh what's his name swing rates uh gallo's swing rates from 48.3 in 2018 to 40.7 in 2019 yeah. and everything went down so i uh, just swinging less would could be good for bobby bradley because he swung how often give me guess 
I want you to guess for me. A lot. <laughs> I have no idea what to guess for a number, but I'm guessing. Actually, you know what? I don't think it's that much. I think it's he, he swung a normal amount. He just missed so damn much, which is kind of worse. He swung 49.7% of the time. That's not barely anything, is it? How much is no, that? No, that's very high. Let, let's find out. Let's find out what the league average is. Uh, league average on swing swing rate is, I'll tell you. Pinch info? No. Where's batted ball? I can't use things anymore, Matt. There it is. Batted ball. Oh, batted ball. I want swing rate. I don't know how to do it. Wait, you want more. plate anyway, discipline? Hold on. Plate discipline. Yeah. Thank God. Jesus swing Christ. Oh, um, I get the average. 47, 47 is, uh, is, career, is league average. There you go. So. You're right. It's not super high, but not super low either. Well, considering how much he misses, that's the big thing. It's more the 18% swing strike rate when when, uh, when league average is 11.2. So, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a sticking point, I suppose. Yeah, it doesn't help. Um, so thank you for that question. We'll go to at John or Tron Travolta on Twitter. He asks, which contract was the most crippling to the Indians payroll and contention window? Swisher, Hafner, or Kipnis? I think in reality, probably none of them. Like, they can afford it. They're fine. Um, I think Kipnis's they got out of it when they needed to, like they spent the mm-hmm. money when he was here. And then now that he's gone, they're not, I don't see how he really affected much of anything. I think Swisher's contract, that almost felt like it set the team back a couple of years like that. That <laughs> was so bad between him and Bourne together. I remember they traded basically, yeah. they acquired Chris Johnson just to dump their garbage contracts. That was a pair yeah. of, that's probably like the biggest blemish on Chris Anthony. I think Shapiro was still then for the, for that, but. Um, it's, and I think and I, maybe the worst thing about that whole contract too, between that one and the Hafner one, was just how badly they went. You know what I mean? Like Hafner yeah. wasn't terrible with the Indians after he signed that contract, but he was hurt all the time. I think when did he sign? He signed that deal in what two thousand? Pulling his page right now. Uh, he signed that deal with the Indians in like two thousand ten, probably. That sounds right. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. And he didn't play more than nine, hundred and he played 118 games with the Indians in 2010, and he never played more than 94 otherwise, 57, 2008. Like he was always hurt. Remember, his shoulder was just, just disintegrating, and oh, they yeah. were hoping for yeah. something approaching the 100 and, 170 OPS plus he posted between 2004 and 2006, and he never got more than 130. So that one was just more disappointing. But I think the Swisher and the Bourne ones were almost like. Everything it scared the ownership. You know what I mean? It's just, like, yeah. they're, like, they're like, why would we spend this money? What a waste. These guys are never playing and they're bad when they do play. Right. That, that's and the then, biggest way it set everything back, I think, is the fact that it made ownership gun shy. Like, if they can go that wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and then we said that, but then you look at, like, uh, you look at the Edwin deal. And I, I mean, it's hard to look at the Edwin deal as anything other than a success. He was great with the Indians, right? He was, mm-hmm. how many years? It was, just, it was only two years, but he beat the piss out of the ball in those two years. He wasn't. Again, quite the let's see, uh, two fifty two, three fifty eight, four ninety slash lines, one hundred twenty three uh, OPS plus, which again, not great, super great, but seventy home runs, and he was you know a central piece in their offense. He was not yeah. as good in two thousand eighteen as he was in two thousand seventeen, but what do you what do you expect? You know, the guy's not always going to be the twenty eight year old version of himself. He's going to age because he will get older. Yeah, and they got him even so, on a huge discount deal, but he was still yeah, exactly. You no, know, yeah, it was a big discount. Yeah, he was he was going to get. Tw- he was projected to get, I think, $85 million or something like that. They got him for, uh, how much was that deal? Like 60 or something? Yeah, million for three years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I would say probably just in terms of the psyche of the ownership wanting to spend money, um, what you could convince yourself, maybe the, the Swisher one. But I don't know if they would have spent money anyway. So Yeah, I don't think Kipnis was that much of an albatross at all. I think no, he's just kind of coincided all. with them being good, so it didn't matter a whole lot. Like, it didn't stop them from doing much right. of anything. I mean, yeah. It just sucked that he was always hurt, but I don't know. 
You have to give him some money. Yeah, he was on pace like want to be one of the best second basemen in baseball at one point. Which oh yeah, no, there was a point there where he was like he was doing it. You know, it's kind of a bummer. All right. Well, thanks for that question, and uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. This will be next week. We'll have next week is not spring training. The week after that, I think, is when pitches and catch. No, the eleventh. So in a couple days, pitches and catches report, and then for you know we'll have spring training, and then opening day, and then losing the playoff spot, and then (laughs) being the off season again. It'll be really fun. Francisco and Dora might be another city. Or Way to run day. through summer like that, Matt. Jeez. <laughs> I'm already, you know, we I'm mentally like next baseball. December already. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm in the winter meetings. <laughs> uh, if you, if you listen this no far, leave us a review and let us know how, how bad that, um, if, if I'm going to be right or wrong about Lindor, about the Indians, just, just absolutely ruining your whole summer. Who knows? We'll find mm. out. Um, He's a positive there. guy, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to you next week. I'll see you.